0: Welcome to a nightmare on Fierce Street.
1: A monstrous podcast about all things horror.
0: If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes.
1: Today we're talking about Tragedy Girls with Joshua Cervantes. Hey Josh. What's up? What's up? What's up? Before we get started, what the first question we start with is: what is your favorite scary movie?
2: Uh, okay my favorite scary movie and this is actually very very appropriate for the question my favorite scary movie is scream um and sometimes i feel like that is like the cliche answer whenever you answer like what is your favorite scary movie. but scream i think is actually the very very first scary movie i ever saw um and <laughs> i remember the first time i watched it i had to be like five or six years old definitely like kindergarten age and after the first scene after they you know drew barrymore thing um i got sick to my stomach ran to the bathroom threw up because i was was so terrified by what i just um and so just like watching it i i I watch watch it every year and i have like a big affinity for that movie and that series as a whole so now it's just kind of funny to think that the first time i watched it i was so terrified of it but now i'm just like having parties watching and like my own like screamathons with it so very, I am offended that we are not getting Scream Five this year. That we have to wait a whole other year in a pandemic. But pretty pumped for the fifth one. Hopefully, it's gonna be
1: <laughs> same. I'm so excited. Um, so, is slashers like your favorite subgenre, or do you, or are you kind of like equal opportunity?
2: Equal opportunity. I'm not quite sure if slasher is my favorite genre, especially because in recent years with slashers, I mean, Scream Scream really did rewrite what the slasher genre was going to be, and it did kind of give a formula, and so now I feel like any slasher that just happened in like the recent millennia or whatever, decade, whatever, I don't know, time, um, it kind of just tries to copycat what the formula was, and I, so I don't know if slashers are my favorite genre, I think my favorite genre of horror films, though, is movies that make you think movies that kind of have like a psychological uh, trigger to it and things that just like really put it out there that like, ooh, but this could be you or this could happen to you. Um, I mean, it's easy to think that like a slasher flick could happen to you, but it's, it's, it's more scary to think that like some some shit's gonna go down with your brain. <laughs> and I really like movies that kind of makes me shit go down with my brain. Gotcha, awesome
1: um we well, tell the audience where they can find you on social media or any projects you want to plug
2: yeah definitely definitely so my social media handles are Cervantes one that's a play on my last name it's s-i-r underscore b-a-n-t-e-z the number one i'm on twitter instagram i'm on clubhouse i'm more of a listener rather than a participator on clubhouse and i think my name on clubhouse is just joshua Cervantes. s-e-r-b-a-n-t-e-z so you can find me there hang out with me there.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, let's get down into this wild film, Tragedy Girls. General thoughts. Let's go.
0: Give me more femme friendships where they share spooky interests. Please.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And more humor. I love the humor in this. I I watched it with a friend last night and we were cackling multiple times.
2: A lot. And I think, it's one of the only comedy horror films that really succeeds at both being a horror and a comedy. I kind of find that when I watch horror comedy films, it's kind of just like, well, it was funny, but how does it, you know, like, make you feel about the horror aspect of it? Or like, what is actually like the scary part of it rather than it just being like, you know, a dumb stoner horror comedy, you know? And so with this one, I thought it was really, really interesting that like they hit every single joke. They hit every single moment while also like giving you little jump scares and little little moments that kind of also inflict some psychological horror with you too it was really
1: really fun i've heard this uh compared to both heathers and scream mm-hmm. and i feel like this is more of a heathers just because like the the humor is so in your face more so than scream than i would say scream and yeah and and, and just putting those anti-heroes in there like heathers does
0: it's 50-50 for me because I was picking up on the screen before I picked up on the Heathers just because it was so self-aware and so meta but not in a way that it was breaking the wall which Scream was very good about because Scream is always like we're a funny horror movie and we're in on the joke with you but we're not saying we're in on the joke with you and it was very much that which I think that energy is what attracted me to like I, I'm not even gonna lie to y'all you know how I feel about women murderers and horror I'm biased and so like If you want to come at me for my thoughts on this movie, that's fine, because I'm biased as fuck. Because we don't get enough women slashing people in horror movies. I keep yelling this, no one keeps doing this. Thank you, tragedy girls.
2: Oh, I I think where this movie succeeds too with these two anti-heroes is that they're not two femme uh, women who want to kill because of like a past trauma or because like a past vendetta against anybody. They just want to kill people for fun. The line at the very beginning, which is which is very psychologically scary in a sense, because it's just like, oh, my God, these are just people who want to be serial killers. Um, but I think it's something interesting how in, in one of the first lines, they're like, we are about to graduate high school and go to college. Do you really want to do all this without having our first murder spree? And the other girl goes, no, I really want this first. And to me, it's just like, that's so wild that this is what they want their legacy to be before they go to college. That way they continue to do it and have like that built on them.
0: And I really love that because oftentimes when you see these two friendships about to graduate these two friends about to graduate from high school and go to college it's like do you really want to go to college without sleeping with joe bob or whoever the fuck right. he is? he and, and it's like no you're right I have to make it work because we're going to be long distance I still know and they're like we got to kill some more people because we're not getting mm-hmm. recognition and that warmed the that warmed everything in my little cold dead heart it jump-started it like a car and I was like oh my god I think I have feels.
2: They just wanted something exciting to happen. They lived in a boring town and the most exciting things that were happening was, you know, a, a killer was on the loose and they wanted to be the exciting thing in their town.
0: Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, this also reminded me that we've not had a lot of fun in a while because a lot of movies try to be comedy horrors and they're not. And this one <laughs> succeeded and I appreciated it because it's hard to have fun when the movie has some problems. And so this one was like, let's clear the way, let's make it fun, let's do the right things and let's also kill some people. And I was like, that is a platform I can support, you have my vote.
2: I think a comedy horror especially succeeds when you cheer for the murders, when you <laughs> cheer for the deaths, when, when, there, when, when there are those times that can give you a little bit of a jump scare, but as they're happening, you're like, yeah, get them. Uh, speaks a lot about like what we as Americans take in as entertainment, but <laughs> I think it, 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 it's, it's fun.
0: These two sociopaths were so relatable. Every time mm-hmm. they tried to murder someone and failed, I was like, oh my God, I feel that. Not on a, I tried to murder someone level, but just like <laughs> life getting in my way of my own plans. Like I'm how many kidding. of us are like, I'm outside and it's fucking raining. Or, oh I, I my car won't start. Or other things, just life is always in the fucking way. And granted, they're trying to murder people, which makes it even funnier. I'm not, I'm going to like leave that thought out there because I don't know how to finish that without it coming across as weird. But they're super relatable
2: sociopaths
1: there you go i was also i loved the aesthetic that there's like the visuals in this film the costumes and the set dressings and all that i loved it i thought it was very it felt kind of 80s to me but with like which made me feel like more heathers than anything but i, I really liked the. there was super bright colors it was very vibrant I, I thought it was really fun i agree with what you said
2: about the 80s aesthetic and i i think maybe that's also an homage to like 80s slashers flicks the fun ones um the slasher flicks that everybody loves are like the 80s kind of stuff and it's all fun but i think something that i caught on to that aesthetic too was when jack quaid's character goes to pick up goes to pick up uh goes to pick her up for the prom and his headlights on his car they close like those old cars in the 80s and it gave me that moment of just like oh, of course he drives of those cars <laughs> and then <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of it because I was like, oh, the attention to detail and the attention to how much they're pl- making him out to be a douchebag in this movie, I'm here for it.
1: Agreed. All right, well, shall we get down to our specific notes?
2: So, okay, one of my specific notes that I wanted to hit on was that I noticed that like, I was very, very happy with the representation in this movie, but one thing I did notice is that the aesthetic is very campy. The, um, the comedy is very heightened and campy and it is almost a queer movie especially when you take into consideration the relationship between the two female leads, they have a very, very close bond that could be questioned if it is a queer movie with having no queer characters in the film. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that there was any queer representation with characters in the movie. No. And so it did really make me wonder that like, this is a movie that I can get behind because it is like something that makes me feel seen without being in the movie, if that makes any sense.
0: They were soulmates. Like yeah. that's all it was. Even at the end, it's like, no, I you you can't kill her. That's not the play. It's like I'm gonna kill her. It's like, oh, I have to kill you now. Both of them did that shit to the person they rolled into the prom with. And then it was like, let's hold hands and like set the shit on fire. And I was like, This is this is a rom com that I'm okay with.
2: <laughs> yeah. It really it, no, yeah, that's actually right. It really did kind of turn into a rom com, especially even like even at the beginning, they set it up to where, you know. One of them shows interest in a in, in a boy, and then the other friend is just. I'm sorry, I don't remember the character names. Um, and then the other one is just like, "Oh well, you don't need them; you have me." Mackay
0: and Savy? Am I wrong? Am I right? And McC- the one
1: of them is
2: MK. Yeah. I think yeah.
1: that's yeah, Michaela. Yes, yeah, she MK a couple times.
2: Yeah, and um, it, it really does set them up. It's just like a. Like, they have little lover's quarrels with each other. They, they kind of go through a moment of just, like, you know, the other person in the relationship that they only wanted to be the two of them. And it, it really kind of gave me these, like, be, like, I ship them,
1: I want them to be successful together,
2: and I want them to be together forever kind of vibes. I
1: agree. I, thought, I think, I mean, part of me does wish that there would have been some clear representation in the film, but I, I'm with you that I thought that they were 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 subtly written that way uh, mm-hmm. to the point of that you could read into it. One thing that I thought was a weird choice that they made with the two girls. And I want to hear your thoughts on it was in the moment in the film where the original killer is broken out of the basement and is put into this equation now. And he turns on the white girl, Sadie, and she essentially turns good for like two seconds in the film. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a choice to make her the one that like is the victim. And then the black girl is the one that gets with the the killer. I thought that was kind of a weird choice, but I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on that?
0: I didn't have an issue with that because Michaela was very much about business. And even when they're resolving shit at the end, Michaela's like, bitch, you started this by killing your boyfriend's mom. I'm just finishing what you started because I thought that's what we were doing. And so I... I took that as two friends who just have different interests at the moment because Sadie was unhappy. Like we saw these flashbacks where they thought about each other while trying to live their lives separately. And so I, again, I felt like they were two halves of the same psychopath. And so they just had to find way back together. And I think that that's why it didn't feel that way to me, especially because like to get, get one of my notes, like this town wasn't just like the one black person, which is what I'm always worried about. Because I was like, okay, I see that, like one of the leads is black. Will anybody else be? And it was like, yay. <laughs> I see so much representation and people having lines and actually doing things to be part of the story. And I was like, oh my God, this isn't just like the typical slasher white town I'm used to. So it, that didn't stick out to me.
2: Well, and I, I also kind of appreciated it too because it did kind of paint for me the old villain of the movie was, which was Jordan, Jack White's character. Whenever he does have an affinity for Sadie, who is, you know, the white girl in the story. Um, and he tries to paint Michaela as like, you know, Michaela's the true victim. I mean, the true villain. Michaela is the one who has a history of mental health issues. Michaela is the one who, you know, has a weird cell phone and does all this. So it is kind of like we are watching a white character very easily, you know, paint a picture of what a black character is. Um, and I think the movie did a very, very good job of letting Michaela have all the power. Of her own story and her own character and kind of gravitating towards you know these tropes that are usually placed on people of color specifically black women in stories like this and in movies like this we're not going to give that to you we're not going to give you what these white characters want we're going to flip it around completely we're going to make it funny and we're going to make you root for her too because ultimately she did become the ultimate anti-hero of the movie and I, I think that was a really, really smart choice that it kind of led you to believe that, you know, oh, well, these were the people that were going to succeed and get their way. Ahaha, ha just kidding. And I, I appreciated it a bit.
0: Also, at the end, he is trying to blame his mother's death on Michaela when we all just heard Sadie killed your mom. Why are you to protect her? And why you trying to save her and get her away from Michaela? Yeah. Let's blame
2: Michaela for everything. It, it, it's those little subtle things, those subtle details that aren't explicitly stated in the movie, but... We can pick up on them. That it's just like we see what this white person is trying to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Can we also just, while we're in this conversation, talk about how I live for Michaela's family being the fluent one when Sadie and her father are living in not poverty, but poverty.
2: Right, a hundred percent. And I was going to touch on that too, how it kind of played up with like these class, um, these class types. How it is, it is the, the the black girl who does kind of live with a wealthier family in a in a, in a bigger home. And, and and Sadie is the character who kind of lives in like, you know, a, a different circumstance. But while that was, um, while that was kind of like touched upon, it wasn't enforced in how their characters interact with each other or in how other characters view them. And I really, really appreciated that it gave us these subtle details to kind of just like hint at where they were probably coming from emotionally, but not enough to have a judgment that was placed on them. And I think that that's actually very, very something smart because it does kind of put them on even playing field with each other without giving their home life as circumstances to oh, why are they like this, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I live for it because usually it's the other way around and people are like, well, you know, she's a bad element. You need to get away from her. She's trash from the side of the tracks. And so I just I I just also live for seeing brown people have money because we don't get to see that on film. It's always like, come play this crackhead real quick, and it's like, why, right. <laughs> why? We're in Mayberry. You don't have crackheads in Mayberry. Like, <laughs> what are we well, doing?
2: Even even Craig Robinson's character was viewed as like the town hero for being like this 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 heroic firefighter, and it was just like that is a black man who was viewed as a hero. But their mayor was even a person of color, and and. And you know what? They weren't the first people killed in the movie, and now it's just a very, very big step for horror films, <laughs>
0: right? And they had lines, and the lines made sense. They weren't just speaking in stereotypes just to say we did something. Right. And I, I hate how like the bar is so low that that is revolutionary, but it, oh. it is, and it's another reason why I stand this movie. Like I'm, I like I said up top, I'm biased. I'm, I'm high off this movie. I'm gonna be half movie for a minute. Got another twenty four hours in my rental. I'm gonna do it again. <laughs>
2: So another thing that I really, really liked about this movie was the soundtrack. Can we talk about the soundtrack for this movie for a little bit? And I think it's, I mean, it starts out with a play of like, um, I think the first song was a, a kind of, kind of uh, it was a reference to, um, what is that song? There is a house in New Orleans. Oh yeah. House of the Rising Sun? Yes. Yeah. But it wasn't exactly that, but it set a tone and it set a mood that for the rest of the, the movie, I was very, very excited to hear what the soundtrack was. And the second song that we hear in the movie is so, like, you know, punches you right in the face with it because you see these two girls finally capture, like, or initially capture who is the killer. And um, the song starts playing whenever they're chopping up a dead body. And the song is called You and Me, Always and Forever. You and me, like, always together. And I'm just like, I live for how relevant this soundtrack is for what these characters are going through. Plus it's also just really, really good music. Like I wanna just have the playlist on as a workout playlist or something that I just listened to in my free time. It was so, so good.
0: It also mm-hmm. just helped me remember that this is at the end of the day, a high school comedy. That yeah. happens to be also a horror movie because it, again, all the music cues and all, like all of the things that it's feeding us and all of the colors, it's all just like, this is very every 90s high school movie. It's it's your Clueless, it's your Mean Girls. It's mm-hmm. all these other iconic teen movies that we still watch even though some of them are getting older we have to like look at them a little bit differently. <laughs> um, and it's all of them, but you have this like cool twist that we're like gonna dismember some people while we have these like conversations and these like fallouts and this friendship.
1: and there were subtle there were subtle references to all those films like i caught the moment when she when uh michaela pushes sadie in front of the bus (laughs) i was like oh mean girls hello just like
2: the juxtaposition of like bright colors horror film yet is it it is a comedy and then there is you know pop rock music that is underscoring everything the just the way that they were able to put all those elements together to make it one successful Comedy horror film, like it made me so happy that all of these elements that should not go together just went so well together. And it just, it was funny. It was good. It was, it was, it was, it was scary. It was happy. It's so weird to call a, a, a horror movie happy, but this movie made me happy.
0: No good movie.
2: Like yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> I, it, I sort of piggybacking. I I love that we have these what they present as stereotypical teen tropes that we always see in movies but like they're doing the prom and shit because they have an end game and it's to like (laughs) set that shit on fire because how often do we just see a bunch of teenage girls just being vapid and like I text talk, (laughs) LOL popping gum. I don't have a soul or personality because I was written by a (laughs) man. And this was not that. (laughs) This was like, we're doing these things and we are using the way we appear and present and the way we can manipulate our voices to manipulate the people around us so they don't suspect us. And that makes us interesting. These... I wish I'd seen girls like this when I was in high school because, again, you have those stereotypes just floating around where they're empty. <laughs> they're just doing prom because prom is important, <laughs> and they're like, "No, we're doing prom. We're going to dress dresses on fire." And I'm like, "I support this message."
1: <laughs> right. The the delusions of all the characters just made this film so funny because, like, my friend and I at the end when they're sitting outside the the burning and no one's even like suspecting them, and I'm like, "Okay." these two girls are sitting outside the burning school smiling, like, oh, this was a great night, night you were And all the police officers are like, what's going on,
2: who did these? And I'm like, oh my God. Making the two characters comedically unassuming while blatantly being the bad guys. While blatantly, like, it, 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 I think it's so funny that this movie paints them as these very innocent girls who are maybe suspected, but not completely believed because they're girls. This this entire movie is just like we're looking for the guy. The, the the killer has to be a male. It can't be these two girls who are just so unassuming. They're cheerleaders. Like what, what what's so wrong with them? They make good grades, and it's just like no. Let them be these badass murderers who are committing these horrific crimes. And it. it I I just want to root for them because I never see them. You know, I never see characters like this, and so it makes me. Yeah, they're bad guys. Yeah, they're murderers. But I want them to succeed. <laughs> I want them to get what they're due.
0: I was rooting for them. I we were all rooting for them. That's just it. I I I love that it's. Again, like that was on my notes, like they were saying, we have to find the guy, the guy did this. And they were just like sitting there the whole time texting like, yeah, you got to find this guy. And nobody wanted to question that. And it's just such a subtle way of handling sexism without being like, let's have a monologue about it. It was what, like, yeah.
2: Yeah, without a monologue about it, without either one of them complaining about it, they just wanted likes on their Twitter page. And I think, I think another subtle hint that they made was that they were they wanted to personally take care of josh hutcherson's cameo which is actually really hilarious for being the josh hutcherson cameo but they recognize that they're like you know josh hutcherson is doing the exact same thing that we are he just wants to get light likes and he's benefiting on other people's tragedies we want to do that so you know let's take him out let's let's take you know take it in our own hands and like let's kill him and i'm over here like yeah go kill him be the people you want to be and like, do what you want. I, I just, I rooted for them the entire time. Yes. yes. Yeah.
1: I think one of the strongest things that, that makes this movie uh, what it is, is that it flips expectations right from the beginning. Because so like from the first scene, the people that are typically the victims are now the killers. And the person who typically the killer is now the victim being kidnapped and put in their base.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's like it flips expectations from all other horror films. And I think that that might be where, for me, it gets the most Scream-like, where, because Scream once again did that with the Drew Barrymore scene in the first movie. But uh, this one did something very similar in in that you go in expecting one thing in the first 10 minutes, in the first 10 minutes, it's completely subverted.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, the way they set that up was just masterful because like she's in the car and she's not into this and then there's a noise and she's like you should go check on that and he's like no and she's like what are you pussy and I was like I think we're about to get into this shit <laughs> and of course he gets out and I was like oh wait there's another killer how many killers are in this movie and I was like oh never mind you were kidnapping the first killer okay I'm I'm invested and so I just I love that it's like playing with the things because clearly it's called Tragedy Girls and we know enough because there's only spoilers in life. Um, so you're like, well, I don't understand how this is going to fit. And they're just like, well, we have to do something different. We can't just have it come out with us stabbing people. Let us let us add the layers and let us like go on out and make it a supreme situation. And I I live for all of it. I lived for him spitting on them and them tasing him. Uh, the taser being from Amazon, like it was... <laughs> <laughs> there were the, no throwaway
2: the, lines. <laughs> the subtle knock, the throw, the throwaway line that is absolutely a knock at Amazon. They literally say, oh, fuck you, Amazon. Like, yes, we all agree. It's just so sad that we all need Amazon in our lives. But the subtle knock that they had at Amazon for that it is,
1: you know, ha- hats off to them. Yeah, I think the writing of this film was so subtle and funny and... Well, it was subtle when it needed to be subtle and not subtle when it didn't need to be subtle. Um, one of the lines that cracked me up <laughs> was when Michaela is going to go kill the firefighter. And she says, I'm going to do another set. It's for my body.
2: <laughs> I, I love that they also let, let them be funny. They let these female characters in a horror film be funny, but not only funny. They let them be the heroes. They let them be the villains. They let them be the driving force behind the movie. They let them be serious, but it was really their commitment to them being very comedically self-aware in a sense. Um, And you don't get that with a lot of comedy horrors, especially with female characters. You get, okay, well, that's comedy horrors, especially in female characters are stereotypical female characters. They're the funny ones and they die because they're funny. Or they're the stupid ones and they die because they're stupid. Or they're the killers, but their origin story for becoming a killer usually has to do with a man. I loved that the origin story for these two female killers had nothing to do with men at all. It was just very much just like, it had to do with a woman. It had had absolutely to do with a woman. And it was on accident, mostly. They just just wanted to do it. And I just love that it didn't have anything to do with a gentleman presence in their life.
0: This was one of the first horror movies I've seen where two friends didn't let a man come between them. Let's talk about that. Because it's always like, oh, no, you slept with my husband. Let me leave you in this cave. (laughs) And it's like, your husband's not important anymore, Lucy. Y'all are fighting humanoids in a cave. I need you to prioritize.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, and I think that's why I felt, okay, because I made the note about uh, the one I brought up earlier, about the white girl turning good and Michaela being the one with the killer. I made that note before that ending when, when Sadie decides that she's still with Michaela, And so I was like, oh, I've loved this movie so much. And now they're gonna turn the black girl into the, the real villain. But it, then it subverted that expectation again in the, in the end.
0: I didn't, I didn't pick up on that because like, everybody's a villain. They were murdering people together. So it's not like one of them is gonna take a moral high ground all of a sudden. So much as she was like, I'm gonna <laughs> see what happens if I'm popular for a couple of weeks. and so I I did not pick up on that I would have I would have felt upset had it been inverse and had Sadie been the one who carried through with the plan actually just because again we don't get a lot of fun femme villains and so for us to not only have two here but to like let the let the one black girl and maybe all of horror movie history carry through with the plot and be like I got a goal bitch come burn it down with me I I'm here for that because we don't get good villains like we just don't get good villains and yeah. so yeah, I would have been pissed.
1: Yeah, it definitely redeemed itself once for me, once Sadie was like, nope, go on back with her, bye. You're all dead. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I know, I love this movie again.
0: But even even Michaela wouldn't let her <laughs> partner for elusive term, um, wouldn't let her partner kill Sadie. And so like again, right. like they had that boundary in place. It was like right. everybody but her. Because we're mad, right. but we're not that mad.
2: And it was also something that it didn't them, like we some, uh, we mentioned earlier, how it was like they didn't let a man come between them, and like let a man be the driving force between their friendship or between their goals. And I do think it was something that was smart of the writing in this movie that when you know Sadie did show interest in Jack Wade's character, and maybe she did want a boyfriend, and maybe she did want a date, she also wasn't like leaving Michaela. Like even at prom, she was texting Michaela, being like, "I hope you're having a good time," like, "and I miss you," kind of text, and like, "I wish you were here," kind of text. And then they show Jack Quaid's character, kind of completely dismiss Sadie. And and he's talking about like, oh, when we go to college, we can do this. And it is very much like a uh ah. it, it led you to believe that maybe Jack Quaid's character was, you know, one that we could root for. But like in the end, men want women to be subversive to them. He wanted Sadie to say, Yeah, we can go to the same college. Yeah, we can do this together. Yeah, I'm gonna live for your dreams now. And Sadie very blatantly is just like, you know what? I'm my own person I want to do what I want to do and if that means I'm going to kill people with my best friend then that means I'm going to kill people with my best friend and it was just so unapologetically um, girl power and so unapologetically like (laughs) anti-men that it just made me happy because we don't get a lot of anti-men situations in horror films.
0: I also just love the direction of that whole exchange because Jordan leads her to climb that ladder which is always a bad idea in a horror movie and even McKay was like really you're gonna climb up a ladder you watch horror <laughs> movies Jordan and so like when they get up there Jordan's like get behind me Sadie because he thinks he's brave <laughs> um, and then like was it, it's, it's not Lerman what was it? the mm, I forgot the circular's name
2: um, um, it was something that started with an L huh?
0: why can't Lowell. I remember low Okay, maybe maybe it was Lowell Lerman or something weird like that. I'm gonna call him L because I did not write that note down because I'm an asshole. But anyway, so you have Sadie behind Jordan and you have Lowell who comes up the stairs and he's like, I'm gonna kill this bitch. And Michaela's like, "Um, excuse you from behind him. And so you've put these men in between these two and then you watch them kill the men between them to get to each other. And if that is not how you wrap up a fucking rom-com, I don't know what y'all have been doing and you need to ask for more. (laughs) Like, <laughs> I and just they held
2: hands at the end. It is such a rom com. They just held hands at the end and watched the entire thing burn to the ground and watched their baby, their creation, their goal. They did it together. if it, This is not only just a comedy horror, this is a rom com and the feel good movie of the year. It
0: is. <laughs> and the fact that they were in formal wear, so I felt like I was at like a ceremony or a wedding, and I was like, is this? Is this how you're you're forging through fire and it's for real now like you you're done playing around you're not dating anymore this is a union i see you <laughs> where do i send a blender
1: I, I did learn that if i ever go to a prom and the theme is the titanic sinking i might want to leave <laughs> the backdrop was the titanic literally sinking and if you in one shot you can see they have the iceberg on the other side of the room oh
2: my god i don't think i noticed that was that their theme the Titanic.
1: Yes, oh it was a night God. to remember. But there's the, the backdrop is the Titanic going sinking into the water.
2: Uh, I I love prom themes because <laughs> a little off topic, prom in itself is a theme. Prom is a theme, so prom themes to me are just like this weird, wild idea. And so for that to be the backdrop of the entire movie, with that they still had to plan a prom, they were still on prom committee. The fact that that is their theme, I love it. I, I love it.
0: <laughs> I I'm not gonna lie. At first, look, I was like, why do they care so much about prom? I know we're keeping up appearances, but like there are other hobbies to be had. And so when I saw it come together with them setting shit on fire, like, oh my God, it was a long con the whole time. Because they were always like, I can't, Dad. We have to like have our prom committee. And I was like, bitch, you got other issues. You need to be looking <laughs> at <laughs> why is prom like what's pressing you? And it when I found out that's what it was, because they had that like ultimate plan. I was like, oh my God, this is adorable. And it just, it again, goes back to how we typically write women roles. And so it's just like, I have to care about prom. I have to care about this dance. I have to do these things. And it's like, I have to care about these things because I have a plot and it's going to be fire, literally.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was actually something that I wrote in the notes as well. I, when I was making notes, I, there are subtle references to other horror films in this movie that I think, you know, the, the savviest of horror uh, movie watchers will catch on to. But while giving this movie their references, it also let it be its own way. And so I was very, very happy that, like, the the end of the movie was going to take place at a prom. So, of course, my mind went to, okay, we're going to get a carry moment. But it wasn't the carry moment that I was expecting. And, <laughs> and it was and it was very much like that. Is it really a carry reference or was it the plan all along? And so it kind of just, like, a twist within itself. It kind of like tricked me into thinking like, oh, I thought like, like when Sadie became prom queen, you know, Michaela's rage was gonna be like, let's dump some pig blood on her, like let's let's make Sadie look stupid. But no, that the reference may have been not even a reference at all. When the girls just like light the whole thing on fire and exactly. lock them in, and it was their own their own doing. And I really really love how just that this movie allowed itself to be its own movie.
0: Yeah, because a lot of movies don't understand how to just make a nod at something and keep going. So it becomes a whole scene about making sure you know that they watched a Friday 13th or Halloween or whatever. And this movie is more like dialogue. Do you want to drop that in there or going to do this quick action, but we're still like on our own path and we're still like doing what we're going to do. And I, it's another reason I just love this movie. This movie is my blankie. I just had my like second dose yesterday and I just want to curl up and put this on repeat until it expires.
2: It's almost as if this movie took the formula that Scream laid out for future slasher films and was just like, we'll take the formula, but we're going to, you know, get to the end result using some different notes or using a different way that it's not exactly going to be something that audience expects. I think one of my biggest uh, criticisms of slasher films now is how predictable they are because they do all kind of follow in through like a Scream formula that was laid out like this has to happen because this has to But you can also sometimes always clock when they're leading to this happening because that's what the formula is. But we're gonna switch it. We're not gonna do it. And with this one, it didn't really, it didn't, it didn't really lead into to like we're gonna flip it on its head or we're gonna do something different. It was very surprising the entire way through, and I really, really appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I do think because, like you said earlier, Scream revitalized the slasher and horror genre in the '90s, and so then I think we overlearned that lesson from Scream, mm-hmm. and so every movie after that was kind of like scream light <laughs> um, and so we and then this movie there are parts of it that are predictable and then there were parts of it that i totally didn't see coming like i told i knew that the the other the actual well the serial killer they uh, kidnapped i totally knew he was gonna get, he was gonna get out and they and try to come after them yeah totally saw that coming did not see the whole like Michaela teaming up with him and then got coming in with Sadie and the and Akela, you know, I didn't see all that coming. So like, I think this movie learned the right lessons from Scream and then put that formula into their own twist.
0: The second time I watched it, I did clock that after he breaks into the house and stabs Jordan and all that shit goes down. Michaela watches him running from the house and she looks at the house and then she goes after him and so I wonder if that conversation started and she was gonna loop Sadie in and then Sadie and her head had fallen out and she was like, fine then, I'll keep him.
2: Well, and that was also, um, that that could be something to think about too because in that moment as well, when Jordan had like um, Kayla's, you know, her her killer cell phone, um, Sadie made sure to like, you know, get rid of the evidence. She steps on the Kayla's phone that Jordan confiscated so that, you know, when the police do get there, they can't get this evidence, there will be nothing there. And so it does almost seem like everything in this was premeditated in a way that we don't get to see the behind the scenes conversations. We don't get to see what the formula was. The audience is just going to be taken on the ride and the end result is going to be very, very satisfying without being like a, without letting the audience know that we are right. And I think that that's something that um, slasher films kind of get wrong a lot is that they want the audience to know, Hey, the audience is right. The audience is correct in where this is going like oh your guess was correct your your fan theory was correct and I really really liked that we didn't we were just along for the ride it, it just let it, this movie let me go along with it and it took me where it wanted to go and I was satisfied with where where the destination was
0: yes 100 percent. how many other horror movies end with our two killers right up to the sunset together more in love than ever that right. never happens Stu and Billy did not get this ending
1: <laughs> no, <he's... laughs> no. I, oh, another standout scene for me is when they're uh, cutting up the girl's body, and the janitor's coming in. So we're, everyone, I, me and my friend were like, "Oh shit, they're, they're caught. They're, they're gonna have to kill him, or something's going wild gonna happen." And he just goes, and doesn't even look at them. And it turns the light up. I died. I died. <laughs> that scene for me was the highlight of the movie. I
2: think that scene for me is where I was just like, oh, the comedy in this movie is, you know, they are not failing with this. They know exactly what they're doing. And it was so hilarious that you you have this image of these two girls just cutting up this body and using the Breaking Bad treatment with this body and then the janitor just comes in, doesn't see them. And then, ah, the brilliance of it was just magical. It
0: was just amazing. Like top to bottom, I, I am in love. Um, <laughs> that's just how I feel about this movie. I'm going to go, like, when my rental expires, I'm going to actually purchase it and have it on video on demand forever because I need more, like, yeah.
2: I I really, really liked that this movie, and, I, and this is kind of picking back off of a note that Sheree had, but I had a similar one. I really, really liked that this movie closed. It ended on a button. It, it, it let it end with the perfect ending, but also kind of like it could continue because, Sadie and Michaela do go off to college together. And at the beginning of the movie, they say that they want to create their legacy and keep going on. So as a fan of this movie, I would really, really like to see a sequel that has them, you know, like this movie makes you think like, okay, well, all of this stuff happened around them to where they are clearly the people who should be looked at as suspects, but they're not being seen as suspects. So when they go off to college, if there is a second movie, is it going to be the same situation? Like are we going to see them clearly as the suspects, but just being able to get, you know, get away with it? It makes me want to see, you know, is there is the, is their plan in becoming these these uh serial killers? Do they want to be known serial killers or do they want to get away with it? Like what is their end goal? And I'm really, really kind of excited if there were a sequel to like see, you know, where do they go from here? I, I wanna know, I wanna follow them. Right.
0: I, I felt very, I felt very, I'm gonna say Dexter vibes in that like they were doing this thing for their reasons, not as honorable as what Dexter might as believe he's running people for. But like, they also were just very happy, like being near it to be like, what's going on? Am I being caught? But also can I get followed real quick? And so like, I I don't know, it just, it, it added to that these are sociopaths and that's unchecked because they're women. And like that just, it, it's very heavy because again, how many women go undiagnosed with ADHD and other things because it's like, oh, gender, fuck you. And it's like, when we're in our thirties, we're like, oh, that could have helped me out in life. Thank you for seeing this now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that I really enjoy this movie is uh, one, one of the reasons I enjoy horror is that typically, this is a, the case in every horror film, But typically, the the final girl ends up not needing a man in the end to live, to survive. That typically happens, not in every movie, like I said. And in this movie, it takes that aspect even further, that now they're using that, like, oh, she couldn't, a woman could never do this, to their benefit, to help them achieve their goals. And so I think that that's taking that whole, like, kind of feminist lens of horror and then taking it to the next level.
0: I don't know why this doesn't appear on more feminist horror lists because usually people like Jennifer's body and it's like yeah but also this is right here
2: <laughs> right <laughs> Right. It's, here. it's an instance where this movie allows you to have two final girls who are able to leave the movie with zero trauma yeah. and and I think that that is something when you think about movies like The Descent or Jennifer's body that are very female-led they're all driven by trauma they're all driven by something that like gave these women, oh, well, this is what their origin story is. And this is why women, you know, have these issues. And it's just like, how come they just can't want to do what they want to do? Why can't they have their own ideas? Regardless of if like the can't be comedy aspect of this movie is that these two girls just want to be serial killers, give them their own thoughts. And I think that that's why this movie succeeds in so many aspects of what they were trying to put together, because ultimately they just let them be (laughs) trauma-free,
0: literally because again they killed their first person together at the age of six and like in that like little bit of exposition which I didn't mind because normally people are like here's all the backstory you need but it came out when she was like bitch I've been there for you forever and you're out here with Jordan for what and it came out as a very real conversation we've all had with a friend or three and so <laughs> I didn't mind it <laughs> but she was like you choked his mom and I was crying the next day because I didn't want to accidentally say something to incriminate you and I was like this conversation is gorgeous because how often is it, you did a thing and I'm traumatized and I felt bonded to you. She was like, no, I just didn't want to rag you out on accident and so I didn't know what to do other than keep crying. (laughs) And they were just like, I'm curious what would happen if I choke her while we're driving. And I I love that because again, kids are inquisitive and I don't like when we have to like give somebody a backstory or a reason for doing the thing because that's not as scary. It's like in The Strangers, which I always bring this up, and The Strangers towards the end, they're like, why are you doing this? I'm like, because you were home. That's more terrifying than my mommy spanked me.
2: Right, and I think that that's something to add on, like what's so terrifying about these two girls, they literally just wanted to. They just wanted to. Yeah. Agency.
1: And it's, and it's so funny that these girls, the, the tragedy girls, literally there's nothing tragic about them. <laughs> the untragedy girls
2: <laughs> they're making other people's tragedy, right <laughs> yeah. they're causing other people's trauma and they're just you know it all over the place
1: you know and going back to like the the comparison to scream the the whole like theme and the idea and girls just doing it because they fucking wanted to brings me to scream four jill is just doing that because she just wants to she just wants the followers yeah she wants to.
2: A lot of this movie did kind of uh, bring me back to screen four about how how current it was, like everything gets filmed now, everything gets recorded now, everything kind of is put on a lens that doesn't just make the victims the victims, but those who, and this is a little problematic today, that those who view these things um, victimize themselves about it. And so I think it's a little bit of a dangerous area, but... This movie, you know, stayed relevant, stayed current, and just like everything is filmed now, everything is recorded now, and and the way to kind of get famous is like, who, how many people are
1: seeing me? Right. Oh, and the moment when after the the, the original serial killer gets out, and I, oh, who said it? Fuck. Someone's like, well, maybe if you uh, didn't tag where you are, and I die, and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe they Yeah. I,
2: so
0: I would rather die. And that's just, and it, again, it goes so into the characters they've created to present to the world and that they are these like vapid, clueless girls as far as their parents and their teachers and their friends, if you call the people they cheerlead with friends are concerned. And so like, clearly they're smart enough to be like, if I stop tagging myself, you won't find me, but I can't do that because then you'll think I'm actually paying attention. And then you'll might start questioning me.
2: But somehow that's what makes it scary because it is so relatable. Like hearing that line, like, you know, if you stop tagging yourself everywhere on social media, if you stop being so active on social media and she says, I would rather die. I'm over here like girl same." I want my Facebook. I want my Instagram. I want my Twitter. I want people to know what my dinner looks like. I want them to know what restaurant I'm eating at in the before times. Like I, I, we, we as a society are so obsessed with people seeing us with people knowing what we are doing. And it is scary to think about, but like, there was a documentary that came out in the middle of the pandemic about social media and like everybody needs to delete their Facebook. I purposefully did not watch that documentary because I'm like it's going to make me want to delete my social media and you know what I don't want to I'd rather die.
0: Okay. <laughs> social media is just part of everything now and it's how we communicate with each other because I don't have most people's phone numbers if I lose my phone tomorrow really? I can't be like I'll just dial Josh from memory I gotta be like on Facebook hey. I lost my phone.
2: <laughs> but also, like, like, don't call me.
0: I would <laughs> text you first off. Who, who's calling people in 2021? I would always text you. If I'm calling you, it's an emergency, meaning I am outside and I forgot my alcohol is in your apartment. I'd be let in because I live this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So I'm I out you know, of like, I'm outside yes, so. let me
0: in. Right? No, I just, I, and also for like those of us in the arts, like we have to advertise ourselves because most of us don't have representation. And so like, we have to be like, here's what I'm doing, please check it out. Here's who I am. And so people who align with you can like follow you and you can follow each other and support each other because otherwise you sit alone in a dark room being like, I'm an artist and no one sees it. And so social media is just, it's part of everything now, unfortunately.
1: I could not imagine a world without social media. What, what did I, they do before? What did we do? I, I was alive then, what did I do? <laughs> I, I mean, I,
2: I've always been like a TV, video game, you know, music kind of person. But when I think about like, what did I do before? I got my first cell phone when I was 12. What, I, 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 I in a sense, I've like never had a life without being attached to something that, you know, gave me attachment to literally everything else in the world. and. And so when you put stuff like this into perspective, especially in tragedy girls, where like they say lines like, I would rather
1: die, girl, same. And sadly, same. And anyone that disagrees with that, you're not being real with yourself. Even if you deleted your Facebook, you still got Instagram, or you still got Twitter, or you still got something. I know you do. No one deleted all their social media. That just doesn't happen
0: people we actually care about on there now like it's it's too married into our real lives like if I when I do turn my phone off I'm like I don't have any of my friends for 48 hours that's gonna suck but also peace when I come right back like what did I miss what did you eat where did you go and so I, I
2: mean especially now during COVID when we all have to communicate mostly through like Zoom and cell phones and Twitter and Instagram it's just like if this pandemic had happened without all of this what would we be doing it's a baseline.
0: Also, as a playwright, most of the stuff I get, like my readings and things, come from people seeing me on Facebook or New Play exchange or something like that. I don't know how playwrights did it before because I would have nothing without being able to connect with other artists. That's how I find actors. That's how I find everybody. Cause like, I, I mean, yeah, we could do some cool stuff, but like also we're in different states. And so <laughs> what would I do? It'd just be a bunch of one man shows with Josh. <laughs> and right. we would just do that forever and no one would see them. Oh. <laughs>
2: Like, but, but we would be artistically fulfilled, Sheree. We would what? be so artistically fulfilled,
0: right? I just call in and be like, "Are you saying the lines yet?" Because we don't have. <laughs> Are you? Can you what? say it in the phone louder? I'm like, <laughs> so. it's,
2: I, I don't know why this reminds me of that scene in the Seagull. Constantine writes a play and puts it on in his backyard for Nina just to perform, and it's artistically fulfilling. <laughs> For neither of them really, but that's what the tragedy of the Seagull is, which is funny because the Seagull isn't built as a comedy, but it's very much a tragedy.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think that's why, you know, with social media, the internet and you know, all these things kind of blowing up right now and, and you know, have been slowly. I think that's why we're seeing more a huge push, more than we've seen in ever in my and I, I think, to really start producing new plays i mean think 10 years ago what was what were the seasons like shakespeare neil (laughs) labuke you know like it was all the same five white guys straight cis white guys you know like and now you're seeing a real push to diversify that where we haven't seen that before and it's slow getting there don't get me wrong but at least we're seeing the push happen
2: and i think that that's something tying back that into tragedy girls tragedy girls was 2018 2017 so 2017. five years old i'm bad at math four Some
0: but
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's something to add on to that point that like you know it's it's it, it's a direction to take horror comedy into and and it gives something very very different in a comedy horror genre that is not like any other you know in, in the in the subgenre and it's kind of something that like it, in, in in a sense of itself it is kind of scary because it is like go from here what what is what is scarier than not knowing what the future is where, where does where does the genre go from here
1: yeah agreed
0: i think that's it other than maybe the title is i would rather die <laughs> 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 I love it. that or girl same i don't know yet we'll, well come around
1: all right well let's get spicy let's get into some hot takes uh josh you go first so
2: I liked this movie a lot and that is coming from somebody that has a lot of opinions and a lot of criticisms and I will always usually give something a critique because I do believe that how do we know what's good if we don't know what's bad? That being said, I had a very, very hard time having a true, true like critical hot take of this movie um, because I enjoyed so much of it and it made me so, so happy. But something that I did have a a critique about was um, the sound mixing for this movie is awful. Um, I could not hear any of the dialogue that was being said without cranking my volume up to like 50, and then immediately having to turn it down to like 15 because the music became loud or the or the outside noise became loud. And so that was more of a production element hot take that I have. But other than that, this this movie was you know 10 out of 10. But I just I wish I could hear it. I wish I could hear what the dialogue was and what the characters were saying to each other rather than just, bam, horror, here you go with loudness.
0: I'm glad you said that because I always have the subtitles on and so like, I was like, am I hearing that or am I reading that? But it's hard because you're like engaged in it.
1: And so I'm glad you said
0: that. because I was like, some of this feels low, but also my TV is always loud. So I was confused. So I, had was like,
1: <laughs> I was like, should I call the doctor and get hearing aids? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really deaf now?
0: I am it was in so old, funny. so my volume is always up down.
1: It was so funny, too, because I had just watched Sound
2: of Metal before I watched Tragedy Girls. And, you know, if you don't know what Sound of Metal is, go watch Sound of Metal. But that's for a different podcast. But um, when I couldn't hear um, Tragedy Girls, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Everything kind of just stuck with me in in a very terrifying way. So it added an element of the horror.
0: (laughs) The Sound of Metal Sound Mixer has been on Clubhouse a few times in some of the rooms. And I'm always just like, I need to see this movie. because Everybody's like, the sound is gorgeous. And the sound is, is, is this. And so it's on my list. Like, I need to get into it. Not this weekend, because I'm with my Pfizer shot. So I'm not the best at attention. But next weekend when I'm back.
1: It sounds really good.
0: My hot take. <laughs> There's so much to play with in this world and this friendship that I wish that we could have a TV show to expand the universe. And I would kill to be in that writer's room, whether I'm just getting coffee for people or what have you, because it would just be fun to watch them keep pulling this off in college or like after college when they're in their careers and just seeing how far you can push it. I can see one, two seasons in college, one, two seasons outside of college. I I just, it's got some legs and we're always pushing for things to become shows. And I don't know why this one isn't up there or if it is why I can't find receipts because I want it now.
1: I agree, but I'm like, I'm with Josh, I wanna see what happens when they get caught. Like, how does that affect
2: me? No, I I agree because I think there's something to say, like, I want to see more, I want to see more. But realistically, we can't suspend disbelief for so long to believe like, okay, they have to get caught. But what happens when they get caught? I want to see them, you know, are they happy to get caught? Are they terrified to get caught? Are they gonna show remorse when they get caught? What because I'm rooting for them so much that I'm just like never get caught. But realistically, you know, you're gonna get caught.
0: <laughs> I kind of see them having an end of the fucking world type arc and where they have to like button it for a second and like go get some therapy because things happen and then coming back to it later in life, which I also love into the fucking world. It's a quick little Netflix show. If you've not seen it, highly recommend for both of you.
1: Of and world. our listeners.
0: I don't know why I'm not sharing the wealth everywhere. Everybody go watch into the fucking world. Everybody,
1: Everybody go watch it. So my hot take, I really enjoy this movie. And I do think this movie walks the line well, but I could see other movies coming after this not walking it as well. But I think we do have to be careful in this culture, in this world, in putting films in the lens of the killer and kind of glorifying that. I know, Shireen, I had a previous conversation like this in a previous podcast. So, well, I think this one walked that line well with the how just completely delusional these girls are and like, we're doing the right thing, right? You know, and I think this movie does it well, but I can see other ones not doing it as well.
2: I can see that. It's almost as if like, you know, we praise them because you know, they are two strong female characters. They do have their own ideas. They do have their own art. They're not influenced by anything else, but oh my God, please don't see them as role models. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah.
1: All right, well, Thank you, Joshua, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was fun. <laughs> fun little wild ride we had going on.
0: <laughs>
1: Hopefully, we'll have you back.
0: You lucked out. You got one of the good movies because we've had some guests on here and we've done some shit. I and-
2: was very, I was very, very happy to be assigned this movie. When I read that it was Tragedy Girls, I was like, "Let's do it." I'd seen this movie once. Uh, we watched it during like a Halloween movie. Um, marathon that we'd done with a couple of friends, and I absolutely loved this movie. and I hadn't seen it again since, so it gave me a reason to rewatch the movie. And now I talked to my partner about it. So, my partner's actually downstairs watching the movie right now um, because I was like, You got to go down and watch this movie because it's just a lot of fun. So, it's awesome. Expensive.
1: That's great. No, let's
0: um, go. Yeah,
1: let's let's go. Go. <laughs> Next week, we're covering Ginger Snaps with the um, friend of the pod, Amanda Espinoza, and Dr. Eleanor Owicki.
0: And that'll continue our month of asking the age-old question, where my girl's at?
1: There you go. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and make sure you stay fierce out there.
0: Bye.